Alex Jones level on y'all, man. The world is a college of corporations. Television is not the truth. Hey, everybody, it's August 29th. Excuse me. It is Monday, August 28th, 2023. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. So today on Monday, as we as I do every Monday, it's the Sunday review of the mainstream media where I take a look at the most important day for the mainstream media is Sunday. Uh, Sunday Talking Heads. Obviously, I go over who uh, is interviewed on Face the Nation. And I tear into the Sunday New York Times to kind of show what the spin is. And it's always spin. If you don't believe the mainstream media, if the mainstream media is telling you the truth, they're really not. Um, They do report facts, but they spin the facts and characterize the facts in such a way to lead you to believe something, to shape your worldview, your point of view, what have you. So, I got a late start this morning. It was my wife's birthday uh, yesterday, so we went out to dinner and saw some music. And so, I got a late start. So let's get into the news. So we start out here with the New York Times, gonna kinda zip uh, through this. So I believe this is from the business section. The U.S. regulates cars, radio, and TV. When will it regulate AI? Now, the actual headline in the newspaper was regulating AI requires Congress to act nimbly. Now, you're going to see a lot of foot dragging with this because they don't, they're not, the corporations that developed AI aren't really interested in regulating AI. But so... What the Congress, the Congress, which is controlled by corporations, most politicians are controlled by corporations, is what they're trying to do is make a show of trying to act for the people because AI, the effects of AI are going to, it's going to be a detriment to uh, the voter, to the citizen of the United States. And that's my main concern here. And so that's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to make a show of trying to regulate something that's going to be detrimental to the lives of American citizens. So they're going to make a show about how they're going to regulate it and and they're going to do a lot of foot dragging and it's not really going to work. AI is going to come out with some miraculous, it looks like it's going to displace jobs within the next year or so, um, but there's going to be some miraculous things that AI is going to come up with. It's going to be heralded as the messiah and AI gods people talk about all the time. But so I just want to say Congress, the subhead here is Congress has tended to sl- to be slow to respond to a revolutionary, to revolutionary technologies. And I'll just read the lead here as increasingly sophisticated artificial intelligence systems with the potential to reshape society come online. Many experts, lawmakers, and even executives of top AI companies want the US government to regulate the technology and fast. We should move quickly, says the president of uh, Microsoft, and they're developing AI. So they let the genie out of the bottle. You know, if they're being honest, they let the genie out of the bottle, and now, you know, they're they're trying to put it back in, or part, you know, partially put it back in, or at least quickly. We need the government to do something, so we're not blamed for this 
terrible, terrible um, outcome, which is coming. Mark my word. So this is the thing. So everybody, not everybody, not the New York Times necessarily, but everybody who looked at the GOP debate could see that Vivek Ramaswamy won as far as he, just because he was upbeat, he was articulate, he was quick to uh, uh, quick to defend himself against attacks and quick to attack. And he was just the person with the most energy on the stage. So um, the New York Times goes in first, they go into a, a couple articles about Vivek Ramaswamy. And I just wanna say also on Face the Nation on Sunday, did they have Vivek Ramaswamy on? No. <laughs> Who did they have on? They had Chris Christie, who's the foil of President Trump, and they had um, Mike Pence. So none of these guys are even polling, not, they, even close to Vivek Ramaswamy or uh, Ron DeSantis, let alone Donald Trump. So did they have, no, they had the enemies of the populist movement. So fact-checking Vivek Ramaswamy on the campaign trail, the actual headline in the newspaper was Ramaswamy's claims about climate change in January 6th draw scrutiny. The And this is the subhead here. The upstart, uh, upstart Republican candidate has made inaccurate, cl- inaccurate claims about climate change as well as the January 6th attack on the Capitol while mischaracterizing his own positions and past comments. It's exactly what the New York Times does. It, it consistently mischaracterizes the facts to mislead the public. But no, 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 Vivek Ramaswamy is mischaracterizing. And if you've ever seen the fact check and come out of the New York Times, what they do is say, well, that's not exactly right, or it's misleading, or they don't outright call, and they did this with Trump, they don't outright, right, outrightly call it a lie, they just kind of nibble around the edges of how it was inaccurate, or that's not quite true, or whatever. And it was very interesting, climate change denial. I'm not going to go into all this. Claims, I'm just going to go into the rebuttal of what Vivek said. Um, And if you know anything about climate change, you probably do if if you're listening to this. Um, There's no real evidence. Uh, There is some evidence that there is some minor climate change, but tying it to uh, human activity is, I'm not just saying humans don't pollute, they do, but... Uh, it's a stretch going from one to the other. Um, global warming and all this stuff. They had to change it to climate change because the global warming actually reversed and there was some global cooling going on. So they had to change global warming to climate change. So the New York Times, climate change denial, this lacks evidence. Okay, so he makes a claim that lacks evidence, but so does climate change itself. Then he makes another claim, and they say false. There is no evidence to support this assertion. But there's also, and this is the problem, the same thing with conspiracy theories. They say it's false or whatever. Um, There's no evidence to support his assertion, but there's also no evidence to disprove his assertion or to prove what he was claiming uh, was false. uh, The claim that he was denying there's no, uh, there's no evidence to support that assertion either. January 6th of the 2020 election, and, and I'm not gonna go into the claims either. Again, false, Mr. Ramaswamy has echoed the right-wing talking point that the January 6th attack on the Capitol did not involve weapons. It didn't. And was largely peaceful. His spokeswoman, no one said it was largely peaceful. There were about a million, over a million people there 
on the mall to see Trump speak. Some few thousand went to the Capitol. Uh, a, f- a fraction, a percentage of those thousand, few thousand that went to the Capitol went into the Capitol. I think it was a th- well, 1,100 or whatever. His, his spokeswoman argued that he was merely asking questions. There, it wasn't an armed insurrection. Flagpoles are not considered arms, period. So because people went in with riot shields or, or flagpoles, that's not an armed insurrection. There were people that were armed, but were legally carrying weapons because these people were tied in with law enforcement and law enforcement is, is required always to carry your firearms. And, and they did so legally, um, but that doesn't mean it was an armed insurrection. 104 out of the 1,100 total defendants have been charged with entering a restricted area with a dangerous or deadly weapon. It doesn't say firearms. It is impossible to know just how many people of the crowd of 28,000. Now, this is the amount. So they mischaracterize everything. 28,000 that went to the Capitol. Not 28,000 that attended the rally. It was over a million. How many people in the crowd were armed? Some may may have had concealed weapons or chosen to remain outside the magnetometers set up at the ellipse. There was no, the people weren't armed. Um, foreign policy, false. A spokesman for Ramaswamy said he was comparing military aid to foreign countries and homeland defense. Again, this is a nitpicking. And so I just want to keep going here, but they had another um, article here. Ramaswamy, the millennial candidate, had a lot to say about his generation. Actually, the headline in the newspaper was young candidate's favorite topic, uh, Ramaswamy's uh, what's wrong with his peers, Uh, a young candidate's favorite topic, what's wrong with his peers. His peers are disillusioned with corrupt government, which is really it. And they're mostly blackpilled. Um, and they don't want to know about civic engagement and uh, electoral engagement and things like this. They, they've written off the political system because it's, it's corrupt. What to know about the latest COVID wave in New York City? Is the city in another COVID wave? Where can you get a test? Should you be wearing a mask? And what if you end up sick? Again, they're rolling out COVID. Uh, whether there's a basis for this, like, you know, COVID was a real, really a, a gain-of-function uh, pathogen, whether it was released or it leaked, nobody sure is to know, but they're rolling it out again uh, to get, well, they have to cover their asses for the 2024 election because this whole, this whole lawfare thing against Trump is losing. So they're rolling it out again, and New York was the test case because New York is a very big city, and the way they rolled out the propaganda in New York City was very unique, and I live in the New York City area, so I still get the public service announcements on some of the local news channels, and it's very scary the way they do it. Um, And they target children, and they target weak people, weak-minded people, and uh, get your shot, or you're all gonna die, kind of thing. So, um, labeled climate culprits, European farmers rebel over new standards, asked to cut herds, move, or even shut down to help meet EU environmental goals. Agricultural workers say too much is demanded of them. Their anger is reshaping political landscape. All, absolutely, if you don't know what's happening, we're, we're marching towards the Great Reset. 
uh, where everything is going to be redone and undone. And what they're doing is they are uh, they are culling or cutting back the abundance of A, energy, B, food. And that's how they're going to control you with food and with the uh, ability to access uh, energy, particularly cheap energy. And so nobody sees the, the chess pieces moving on the board, and that's exactly what's happening. And the fact that they mischaracterize the whole thing, it's like, oh, we're trying to save the earth, and these farmers just don't get it. Um, uh, particularly places like the Netherlands, which produces like 30% of dairy products around the world, and I'll just read the lead here. To meet climate goals, whatever those are, some European countries are asking farmers to reduce livestock, relocate, or shut down. An angry backlash has begun reshaping the political landscape this summer. Scores of farmers descended upon European Parliament in Strasbourg, France, to protest against the new EU laws aimed at restoring natural areas and cutting emissions that can contribute. So it's not just fossil fuels now. People don't understand that. So they're going over... Uh, they're going after uh, nitrogen-based fertilizers and methane that supposedly caught cow farts. Really ridiculous. Kremlin considers how to bring private military group under its control. Wagner could be absorbed into Russia's defense ministry or its military intelligence arm. A Russian general could also be installed to lead the group, U.S. and Western officials say. Not... Not the Russians don't say that. U.S. and Western officials say. Well, they don't want to get rid of Wagner because it's a, po uh, a powerful fighting force. And, and that's why none of this stuff is that the Russians uh, assassinated the whole Wagner leadership group, not just Prigozhin, right? The whole Wagner leadership group um, to basically decapitate one of the best um, fighting forces in Ukraine. Why would they do such a thing if they're in the middle of prosecuting a war? It's counterintuitive. It doesn't make any strategic, tactical, or military sense whatsoever. No, 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 but they keep going. I just have to read the lead. The Kremlin is considering options, say, the West. Not the Kremlin doesn't say the West. Officials stress that the future of Wagner, which Russia depended on as a parallel fighting force in Ukraine until it fell out of the Kremlin's favor. And, and we'll see when we show Nancy Cortez talking to Fiona Hill, um, who is a Fabian socialist and that has been working for uh, the Soros magazine, um, The Globalist, as a writer there and is a deep state operative, a global deep state operative. If there's any doubt, just look into the background of Fiona Hill. And of course, she came out against Trump. Before it fell out of favor with the Kremlin, the short-lived mutiny in June was not all clear. Of course, it's not clear. The short-lived mutiny wasn't a mutiny. He moved his fighting force um, halfway to Moscow and then stopped. And the, the scuttlebutt on the street is that he was getting paid billions of dollars by the CIA to fight a coup against the Russian government. So he went halfway there, collected the money from the CIA, accordingly $6 billion, it's a lot of money, um, and then backed off. The, the real sketchy part is that he, not he, Prigozhin, but people within Wagner shot down Russian military aircraft. 
That's debatable. The debatable. Prigozhin's own statement was it was some rogue people within his outfit that shot down the military planes. He didn't order it, and who knows how those military planes got shot down. It might have very well have been uh, by the backed by the West providing air cover for Prigozhin's ground force. We don't really know. It could have been, um, you know, spies or whatever within his unit. It is something to be debated. But the point is, is that the Kremlin believes the organization's military prowess, experienced operators, and ties to African governments are too valuable to give up or to allow to wither away. Well, why would they kill the leadership then? Just doesn't make any sense. Please leave a comment. Um, you know, like, subscribe, follow me on social media. Um, but leave a comment down below if you could, you know, figure this out. So we're going to leave you in the opinion pages of the Sunday New York Times. Can liberalism save itself? And it goes into this. And this is just so funny because the opinions in the New York Times just don't make any sense. Liberalism is under siege. It's not just a problem of Americans' Democratic Party, which once again face either losing or election to Donald Trump or claiming victory with a bare majority around the world, the entire outlook of political liberalism with its commitment to limited government personal freedom is widely seen to be in trouble. Limited government, personal freedom, since when is liberalism or the Democratic Party ever been for those things? Limited government? I mean, come on. Who is this person? Samuel Moyne. Dr. Moyne is a professor at Yale. Commitments to limited government and personal freedom. You've been living under a rock for the past few decades? I can't go any further. And then from Schmerg Schmenman, the opinion, oh, what Prigozhin did in Putin's Russia was the ultimate betrayal. Russians have always a penchant for rumor and conspiracies underpinned by the presumption that the official news is deeply doctored within the Kremlin. So it's not surprising that within hours of the first reports of the plane crash, it was somebody as notorious as Yevgeny Prigozhin listed as a passenger speculation spread like a Serbian wildfire. Perhaps he was not on the plane or he had staged his death to disappear or maybe he, maybe Vladimir Putin now had Prigozhin in a secret dungeon or the Ukrainians on whom he unleashed the, his mercenaries blew up the plane. No conspiracies, conspiracies about the CIA? Not this article. So I don't have to go any further. It's again, it's, it's leading you by the nose anywhere, anywhere, but back to the Central Intelligence Agency, which modus operandi is blowing up people in planes. So, and before I go on, I just wanted to show you here, this is... <laughs> Uh, they had this, um, in the opinion pages, they had this article here, the case against being a good person 
by Jameson Webster, a clinical psychologist and psychoanalyst analyst and professor at the New School. The case against being a good person now, with all these things going on in particularly the United States. But, and that's why the conservatives, not just the religious conservatives, traditionalists, whatever, they're all teaming up with um, Muslims and everybody else who's traditional against just trying to be a good person. The virtues of being bad, doing things, gory video games, drunk lying. I mean, they go on and on with this article here, the case against being a bad person and doing bad things, gossiping, what else? Sleeping with my friends, ordering from Amazon. I don't know why ordering from Amazon is bad, but they had this long opinion piece. Your secret desires can be a compass leading you to freedom, escaping freedom. The case against being a good person. There is no end to, there is no end of advice these days on how to be a good person, how to make good decisions, how to mindful, be mindful and compassionate, how to have boundaries, how to be open, how to be assertive, how to be self-effacing, which I try to do all the time, how to be politically invested, how to live up to the now, how to live in the world, blah, 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 sensitive friend. I'm increasingly seeing this in my work as a therapist. So to my colleagues, the promise image of goodness curse. So he goes on to all this stuff. It's getting tiring, isn't it? You know, trying to be a good person, limits cannot hold when it comes to pleasure. Yeah, well, whatever. Self-indulgence. It's not what you want. You don't want self-indulgence. Self-indulgent, I'm not saying don't indulge. I'm saying uh, what the hedonists try to tell you to do is be continually, like what is it, the sisters of self-indulgence or, 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 or perpetual indulgence? Uh, you know, that's, I'm not saying don't indulge. You could always have a piece of cake. You could have a cigar, maybe drink too much scotch, drink a bottle of scotch or whiskey or whatever your favorite thing is. It's okay to indulge once in a while. You need to do that. Um even indulging in sex or whatever, but you have to have boundaries. And here's just another article, uh, many articles in the Sunday New York Times that tell you not to have boundaries, which you need to have limits and you should, uh, to be righteous, of course you need to have limits, not to stray to through that Overton window that is increasingly moving around and, and lead you into evil. You know what they say, to be faithful in little is to be faithful in much, whatever. So you can be free to indulge, but don't listen to people to say the case against being a good person. Of course you want to be a good person. Don't forget karma and kismet. It's it's age tested. You know, you fuck fuck around and find out. Go ahead. Go ahead. And the only way you can keep free, you know, you can escape karma is praying to evil. So I just want to say in today, uh, uh, yesterday's uh, Face the Nation, they had a round table of all these jerks, uh, two of the uh, these um, CBS, uh, CBS correspondents 
Costa is one, and this other guy, McFarland, both CIA operatives. They should never be trusted. Actually, whatever they're saying, you should believe the opposite. And then they had Chris Christie and Mike Pence on. Why? And of course, Fiona Hill, which we're going to go to right now. So Prokosin is interviewed by this Nancy Cortez person and they talk a lot about, of course it was Putin. And this is what bothers me with everybody. As soon as this happened, no one looked at anybody else for the responsibility to taking out the Wagner group, even though the motive lies with the West because the Wagner group was terribly successful in Ukraine against the Ukrainians and the US. And... You have to understand the U.S. And, and NATO has special forces in eastern Ukraine helping the Ukrainians. And so Wagner Group was very, and they are the ones that first captured Americans that were strayed Americans to just, they're just American citizens, you know, fighting in Ukraine. There were obviously special forces there that got captured or killed. And the Wagner Group was the first responsible for that. So, you know, they have an ax to grind, but I'm just going to show you this uh, quick video of how, watch what she says. It's very coded language that she almost uh, gives a nod and a wink to the West have something to do with uh, Prigozhin's death. Wagner Group has been so pivotal for the Russian military, Russia expert. <laughs> Fiona, thank you so much for being here. So uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin, claims he had nothing to do with this. Is there anyone in the diplomatic community who believes that? Weasley. And that's, look, I think what we can certainly say is he didn't order it not to happen. What? Uh, because there are plenty of people who uh, were painting a target on Prigozhin's back. The system itself expected him to be taken out of the picture. Um, I guess it was a question about what the method would be. And in fact, I think over the last two months has been more shock not just internationally, but also domestically, based on source reporting, that the fact that nothing had happened to Prigozhin and that he was allowed to walk around as if he hadn't indeed perpetrated a putsch. Putin's enemies tend to get poisoned or pushed out windows or shot. Why go to the trouble of bombing an airplane? Well, we don't know exactly how the aircraft was brought down yet. Blow up! Weasley. I'm sure, again, that the Russian uh, government, the Kremlin, will accuse all kinds of other people about uh, carrying out this act if it's seen to be the result of an explosive device, you know, for example. And we have had some mysterious plane crashes in the past, <laughs> uh, something that is unheard of. And in other settings as well, of course, we've had Pakistan, Bangladesh, China, where there have been uh, the uh, loss of key people in uh, plane crashes. So I think this is par for the course. There is um, a symmetry and a symbolism all of it, uh, in all of this. The Wagner Group has been so pivotal for the Russian military in the war in Ukraine. What is this 
uh, going to mean, the death of Yevgeny Prigozhin, what will it mean for the war in Ukraine? Well, I don't think it'll actually mean anything significant for the war in Ukraine in terms of uh, the military campaign itself. Weasley. We were already seeing that Wagner was being uh, pulled out or was pulling out after uh, the um, actions in Bakhmut, uh, where they were in the thick of the, of the fighting there in that uh, city that, of course, you know, was so much of the focus of the carnage of the war over the last uh, several months. But it was already um, a precipitating factor in all of this series of events over the last two months. The idea that the Wagner Group were going to be dismantled and reincorporated <laughs> or incorporated for the first time, rather, into the Russian military. Wagner was pretty crucial for these early stages, this first couple of um, uh, parts of the campaign in Ukraine. He gave Wagner a long leash. There was a period of time after Prigozhin made that dash to Moscow where it seemed like... What Putin is saying with this assassination, whether, you know, he actually carried out or not, the message is going to be uh, very clearly uh, transmitted to everybody. Wagner Group has been so pivotal for the Russian military in the war in Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, come on, come on. How disingenuous. The Wagner group or Prigozhin be taken out or the leadership of the Wagner group being taken out. So it's gonna have no effect on the battlefield of Ukraine. How disingenuous. And then go on to contradict herself and say, oh, but the Wagner group was very instrumental in the fight in Eastern Ukraine. The very next sentence. And then she goes on to say, hey, well, you know, they're gonna be dismantled and they're gonna be, and just like the New York Times is gonna report it, they're gonna be reabsorbed into the uh, Russian military. These are mercenaries. These aren't conscripts. People have to understand these guys are getting paid big bucks and a lot of them are ex-Russian military um, who have good fighting skills but just want to get paid more for what they're doing and maybe don't want to be under political leadership. You know, who knows? But to say that they, you know, that now that they're sidelined, the Wagner Group is sidelined, like that's not gonna have effect uh, of the war in Ukraine, she can't say that. And she even goes on to say, we don't necessarily know Putin carried out the assassination. Exactly, they don't know. I mean, Fiona Hill knows who did it, but she's not saying that, she's just leading people to believe, but also when they're winking and nod and saying, yeah, we know who did it. Uh, but it's not gonna have effect uh, at the war in Ukraine. It's just <laughs> so disingenuous, of course it is. The Wagner Group was one of the best fighting forces uh, on the battlefield in this war. And again, I just have to, you know, add this note that I'm not a Russophile. I don't care about Vladimir Putin. I don't think the United States has any interest. At least the citizens of the United States, the people that are supposed to govern, don't have an overwhelming interest in Russia or Ukraine either. And I don't care about Vladimir Putin. Fuck Vladimir Putin. I don't care about Russia. I mean, the Russian people might be good people or the Ukrainian people could, you know. I'm not for war and violence, but that's not the point. If you got to look at this uh, geostrategically, uh, what this battle really is all about. And then the fact that, 
you know, telling people we don't have American boots on the ground in Ukraine is just ridiculous or Western boots on the ground in Ukraine or that, you know, the Western militaries don't have anything to do with the drone attacks deep into Moscow or that the CIA didn't have anything to do with this bombing and getting rid of the, uh, the Wagner leadership. It's just, it's just so disingenuous. I can't help it. All right, so for me, Rudus Revelation, don't forget to like, subscribe. Leave a comment down below. Follow my other website, libpop.org, and learn about libertarian populism, what it is. Populism is the opposite of authoritarianism and libertarian, excuse me, libertarianism is the opposite of authoritarianism and populism is the opposite of elitism. So what does that mean, libertarian populism? Don't like the elite, don't like, I don't like elite authoritarianism. See you tomorrow. Revelation. This is a conspiracy.